0: your go-to podcast for uni students or speeches who know a little about a lot, giving you handy tips and tricks to survive in the real world, the stuff that no one prepares you for. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are your hosts, early career speech pathologists. My name is Ash, and as always, I'm joined with Cass. Today on the podcast, we thought we would mix things up a little bit. We have not one, but two lovely speech pathologists who are going to speak to us about working rurally. Rural work is such a hot topic throughout uni and still as for an early career speechy. I'm sure you've all heard this before. You have to work in a rural setting before you can get a job in a metro area. Or if you work rurally, it means you'll have more experience, which will then lead to better opportunities when you want to return. I know when I was at uni, and Cass is the same, that was always spoken about at uni. And so I always thought, okay, I need to work rurally because if I don't, then I'm not going to get a good job in the future. So what better way to know a little more about rural work than to ask speeches themselves, who are probably in the most rural towns within Australia. So with saying that, let's bring our first guest in. Welcome, Charlotte.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: No problem. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I
1: know. I'm excited.
0: We always ask our guests, the first question is, what is your craziest client's story?
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) I feel, oh, oh God, that's a hard one. I feel out here, there's things that become your new normal. So, is it crazy and it what it's not till i'm often talking to my friends who are working in metro and that that you think oh that isn't normal or that is a bit different, um, but for people out here in where I am in the community, I guess it's kind of that normal. But I've had a few, you know, working, I guess, with lots of um, in disability and things, and people are definitely extra honest and just say what's in their head. I think, you know, there's been a few times with clients, particularly paediatric, who haven't learned, I guess, where that filter is. Um, you know, you've I've had a child once say to me, my mum cheated on my dad oh, and mum sitting right behind him and didn't know what to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's probably one that comes to mind that you just – and then you just go, okay, and then try and move on because even I didn't know how to respond to that one. And mum was left red-faced. I, I felt for her, you know, I don't know what the history was, but I don't want to know either.
0: No. I wouldn't know what to say. I would just go, oh, and then quickly just like yeah. move on. I think
1: I pulled out a toy or something. Well, tell me about your weekend.
0: Oh goodness. That you is know?
1: crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The Isn't, honesty.
0: Yeah. They're wild. And they literally say whatever comes to mind and they just have no idea that that's not appropriate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, like, you know, working with children on the autism spectrum, that's definitely the honesty and it's the truth. So, you know, you might say what happened on the weekend and they tell you the truth. Yeah, so, yeah. Without knowing those social appropriate conversations, socially appropriate conversations. So. Yeah,
0: that's right. Like I was just thinking about my client yesterday. We were just in the middle of an activity. He goes, I need a poo. Yeah. <laughs> and he runs <laughs> out of the room, goes to the toilet.
1: When you got to go, you got to go and
0: you know. <laughs> I was like, okay. Glad told know. me. All right, well, let's get in a, a bit more about who you are. So we want to know, where did you study? So
1: I studied um, my Bachelor of Speech Pathology at Southern Cross University on the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a beautiful campus and I had a beautiful cohort who um, I spent, I ended up joining the cohort I graduated with in my third year I think or second year and graduated with them and they're amazing and I'm lucky to call lots of them my good friends now.
0: Yeah that's so lovely and so after you studied what roles have you had previously to this role now?
1: Um, So I initially started working on the Gold Coast and I only stayed at that organisation for a brief time. I worked out it just wasn't for me and it was quite a specific area and I guess that I was a bit worried when I did graduate that I didn't want to specialise too early because I didn't want to lose those really base foundational skills. But then that led me to move to Brisbane um, and I worked for an organisation for about a year and that was in the disability sector. And I guess that was specialised too. And I did, but I did gain some really valuable skills and that behaviour support and dealing with some really complex cases and that was across the lifespan too. And then I kind of stumbled upon my role where I am now.
0: So where are you working now?
1: So I am working in, I think we're still classified as rural, not remote. Um, So I work in the far west of New South Wales. But yeah, pretty much I call it the desert. It's just (laughs) a lot of A lot of red dirt, and apparently this year there's been lots of rain, so a little bit of green grass, but mainly just red dirt.
0: Mainly red dirt, and a lot of dust, and your car always dirty.
1: Oh, so much dust, and I didn't actually know that dust storms were a thing, but they are.
0: Wow, I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah, if anyone gets a chance, Google a dust storm, it's like crazy.
0: (laughs) The things you learn working (laughs) rural
1: Oh, so many, so many life skills.
0: So, let us know a bit about your caseload. What does it? What does it involve? And what's a typical day like? So,
1: I work for an Aboriginal Medical Service. So, most of my clients do identify as Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander, and we do have a few non-Indigenous clients on our caseload as well. So, I work with the paediatric population. I could work from zero to 18. We are trying to focus more on the early intervention, but I do, my caseload would be about a two-year-old to I think about a 13-year-old, but it can it can vary out here. Um, my day, I don't know if I have a typical day. Some days I we've just got a clinic space, so I'll do an early intervention day. Um, and then a lot of the days I do go out to school. So something pretty amazing that I've found out here in the far west is um, the New South Wales government have actually built health hubs in every school. And that health hub is for um, allied health professionals to use, obviously, additionally to the school. But it's pretty much a beautiful building with some rooms available where you can do therapy, which I think is really different to Metro. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're an NDIS provider or if you're government or non-for-profit, you have access to use that building to provide therapy. So lots of our therapy does go on in schools. Um, and that's also to do with the accessibility of the clients as well. And most, we're most likely going to be able to give that therapy when they're at school because we might not be able to access them outside of school. And then once a week, I go to a community that's two hours away. And that's quite a small community. There's only a couple of little schools out there. And therapy looks a bit different out there as well, because just the way, yeah, it just looks quite different. So I go into some preschools and I go into the schools as well. But again, it depends on who's at school and what the therapy for the day might look like. So lots of different things. You've got to be flexible as a clinician. Often I'll, I'll plan for a certain number of students, but then there could be three of those students away. So then I'll pick up a couple of other students that are on my caseload that I may have not planned to see or,
0: yeah. Oh, so when you're at schools, it just depends if some children aren't there on the day, you'll just get someone else that you were meant to get on another yeah. day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's nice so that it- you can have some of that flexibility
1: definitely definitely and it just means you know if someone's away someone else will still get that therapy and you can utilize that time
0: for sure Um, so would you say you're doing a lot of individual therapy sessions or is it a lot of talking with the teachers and stakeholder meetings and that type of stuff so i
1: arrived out in the far west um just as covid hit and they decided to start shutting the borders down so I work for a primary medical service so they started following lots of the guidelines um, of their own guidelines and then also obviously the government guidelines about how to deliver services um, and obviously keeping our community safe working for with the Indigenous community they are were that higher risk so we did actually cease doing group um, therapy, doing home visits. The way I've seen therapy is only individual at the moment we've done started to do a little bit of group stuff but we're just actually still waiting for the approval to can to start doing group therapy again
0: yeah can imagine that's really difficult so why did you choose to work rurally (laughs) Uh,
1: gosh i don't even know how to answer that question I, when I studied, I actively chose to do both my placements rural. So I went up to Catherine um, in the Northern Territory and then to Mount Isa. And I just had such amazing experiences at both placements. I just love the community that in both areas that there was in regards to you know within your allied health and then within the schools and whether or whether it's the medical service or it was just really nice to work in when i graduated my circumstances were a bit different so i chose to stay on the gold coast and brisbane um but yeah i felt when i was working in brisbane i just felt like i was missing something and i just really missed I guess I've missed that flexibility of remote and rural and the ch- the different challenges that you face out here. And I like a challenge. Um, and I just thought if I'm going to do it, I need to do it now. Yeah, it was a bit bizarre. I happened to be in the car with a friend and I was saying if I could find a job that offered me blah, 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 um, and I laid out my non-negotiables, I said, I would probably take it. And then the next day, because we were commuting, actually, from the Sunshine Coast to Brisbane for work, car ride home in our two hours in the car each way, (laughs) I got a job from a recruiter, and it it listed all the things I had said the day before. And I just thought, I'm going to ring this lady. So I did, and then now here I am. So let us
0: know, are there any benefits to rural compared to metro areas?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there are. Like, you know, the biggest one is like the learning. They want you to be proactive and they want you to have autonomy um, often because you just have to, because there's not a huge amount of allied health professionals out here. You just have to do it. And obviously, I think I'd be lying to say if financial wasn't a benefit. I mean, that's not the be end and end all, but, you know, I think it is, it can be beneficial financially. And I think a big one for me, one of my big drivers was the extra PDs that um, in New South Wales, it's through the Rural Doctors Network. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, you can access up to, it's not guaranteed, but as far as I know, you can access up to $10,000 in professional development it was one of my big drivers as well was the chance to access extra professional development and really upskill and yeah. And also, you know, that in turn means that we can give back to these communities that don't have the resources or the access to all the extra services that people do in Metro. Mm. You know, there's a reason why there is such a large grant
0: available. And that's because the communities really, really need it. And I guess to attract health professionals to go out there where that's so far away from their hometown, it needs to be attractive. So then that's why it is a higher salary and it is a massive PD budget compared to here in the metro areas yep definitely so what type of supervision and support do you receive
1: so i am pretty lucky um my organization is really supportive of my supervision i again with covid and things it it was delayed a bit but um i will access a speech pathologist who fortnightly Mm -hmm. um, and that will be for an hour at the moment for at least probably about six months and I do, I'm really lucky to work with an occupational therapist who um, is highly skilled and is a senior and you know obviously she can't answer, she's worked with lots of speech pathologists, she can't answer that nitty-gritty speech pathology questions but she provides a lot of support with the NDIS, with learning, with practice, with culturally appropriate practice and those really important things for working at it within an aboriginal medical service and i think as well working in a primary healthcare service we have access to you know pretty much every specialist so you'd say you're quite well supported within your role yeah yep and the organization is really are really open to ideas and they're not guaranteed to give you what you suggest but they're open to listening to all the suggestions
0: so working rurally which means you're away from family and friends yes quite far away so Mm -hmm. how do you deal with living solo and away from you know your home home base
1: yeah um so as you can hear in my voice I'm from New Zealand originally um so most of my family's in New Zealand I have a beautiful sister and her family on the Gold Coast and then my friends are between Gold Coast Sunshine Coast it look I'd be lying to say it's not hard. And you know, COVID, I don't know what it would look like if COVID wasn't here. I haven't um, been able to leave the community for seven months. And it's not to say I couldn't have traveled around New South Wales. I just didn't really want to do it solo. Yeah, it it's been a tough gig. I mean, we're very lucky that we've got FaceTime and Skype and Zoom. And I definitely have had up my ups and downs. Like, I'm a pretty independent person, pretty confident and happy to do things on my own. But I think just having that contact probably hit me a bit harder than I had realised. I guess it's made me be continue to be independent and know that it, it's okay and you know I was lucky enough to see some of my friends recently um they all traveled to South Australia to see me which was really nice um and good we had friends
0: a great... <laughs> I wonder who those friends were <laughs> <laughs>
1: there was they were all good there was one that I didn't really want there but you know <laughs> no I felt it was amazing and I was just like, I couldn't believe that they did that. Um, and we had a beautiful time and it's made me excited for Christmas. But yeah, I think it it can, like it, I'd be lying again if I said it couldn't be isolating because um, it can be, but I think it's
0: also, you know, I do really like my job. So that really helps. So you'd yeah. say for rural work, you know, there's positives and negatives to it all. But I guess the the positives outweigh the negatives and you know if you're really loving the work and the job then living solo isn't such a hard thing to do yeah yeah and I think you know people there's lots of community things here as
1: well it's and you know there's lots of people in the same situation out here too they've come out would I stay rural forever I don't know maybe if I met a rich miner (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. I think at some stage or another, every clinician should go out rural and see what it's like. Um, You know, these communities, this community needs about 10 speech pathologists. There's, I think there's about five in town at the moment throughout different Mm organisations. And that seems like a lot, but it's not.
0: Especially if you're servicing, you know, the remote, communities around the town that yeah. you're in five speech mm. pathologists is not a lot no and some are
1: only NDIS providers so you know yeah. which is like there's enough NDIS clients to go around out here to be honest out here my my particular organization is so well resourced it's probably a better resourced than a lot of the metro organizations that people go into mm. you know like the resources that we have access to are pretty amazing yeah. and then if we don't have them we can explore the options of trying to find something similar or you know and things things don't take months to arrive in the post out here it's normal postage and things so what? amazing, yeah, yeah i'm like yeah so you know like access to resources you don't have that difficulty we've got resources and I think, yeah, just seeing how different communities live, I think is important. You know, I'm lucky I've had a little bit of that city experience and now I've got rural and, and people, it's completely different. But then it's also similar in so many ways mm. as well. So I think just seeing, seeing a different, yeah, landscape is quite important
0: for sure so it seems like yeah there's lots of positives and then also a few Mm. negatives but they all balance out yeah yeah so do you have any advice for someone thinking about rural work look i think you're either for me
1: yeah i like i'm a either going gonna do it or i'm not gonna do it um but if i'm gonna do it i've got to put my whole heart in and give it a go um and commit to it, you know, I've committed to at least two years out here, and some days I think, oh, I can't do that, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to commit to it, but then I think, on the other hand, it's okay if it, if it doesn't work for you, because you don't actually know until you try it, you don't know if you're going to like it, like, people might go, oh, no, I couldn't be away from the ocean, I couldn't be in the red dirt, and if you are thinking about it, talk to people who have gone rural, um look at their experiences but also take those experiences with a grain of salt because for you it could look completely different but yeah i think you've got to just be committed and open if you come out flexible in your thinking flexible in your practice and you've got to kind of just let things go as well because yeah so i find people pretty will tell you how it is but that's how i like it so
0: And that's right. You don't know unless you try. So if you're thinking about it, just give it a go and you know, it doesn't work out. Then at least, you know, and then you're not going to have sitting in the back of your mind, Oh, maybe I should go work really, you know, Mm. you've already done it.
1: Exactly. And I think like, you know, there's some good options now with locum positions. Um, I'm not in a locum, but you know, there are a few locum positions out there that might be a six month contract, a three month contract. And that's a good way, I guess, to go
0: and. Give it a try. Dip your toes in the water. See if you like it. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've got one last question for you. Yeah. So when we were in university, we would always hear, you know, you need to go work rurally to get experience because otherwise you can't get a good job when you get to metro areas. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's still the same? No, I don't. Um,
1: to be honest, you know, I think being rural obviously i 'm going to gain all these skills and experiences that will be beneficial to me in my practice, but I think as long as you commit to your job where you are you 'll as long as you 're lear- you 're continuing to learn and you 're using evidence based practice i think that is just as beneficial, you know. Yes, I work with the Aboriginal community and I'm building that like cultural competency. Will I ever be culturally competent? I don't know if you can be because you've always got to learn, but I'm building those skills and that's something that, yes, lots of people aren't going to have, but then there'll be other things that people within the city environment have that I don't.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you for that. Thanks for coming and talking to us today. Thank you so much for having me. listening to Diary of a New Grad Speechy with your hosts Cass and Ash. If you like what we have to say please give us a follow on Instagram at Diary of a New Grad Speechy and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review below. Thanks so much and see you all next week. Bye. Bye!